Uh, really is good to be here in this space to worship God. Um, you know, we pause on the seventh day because, not because we want to run programs, not because we want to, um, you know, do our best. We pause to worship God. We pause to worship him. Why? Because he is our creator. He sent his only son to die on a cross and pay our debts so that we may all have salvation. That is something to worship. That is something to worship. And so um, this morning I want to talk about shining the light. Not our light, but shining the light. And you might ask me, uh, Pastor, what do you mean by the light? It's specific. When you use the word the, it's a definite article. It's pointing to something special, something unique, something particular. So, shining the light. The question I would like to add, do we know the light? Do we personally know the light? Or sometimes, you know, in... in, in, in The Pharisees of old, as you've seen in Jesus' encounter, uh, the Pharisees would say, you know, that it's because of the covenant that is made of Abraham that we have life. Um, But Jesus was saying, you know, that everyone stands alone before God. Yes, we do help each other as a community, but at the end of the day, we do stand before God, giving an account of how we've shined his light. How we've shined his light. And we can't, I can't make it off the faith of my father. I can't make it off the faith of my uncle who was a pastor in ministry. I have to have my own personal experience with Jesus. And so to have that personal experience with Jesus, you then have the authority to shine his light. You have the authority to shine his light. Now, I remember... Before this light switch went on home here and here, before that, I was someone who would lead a whole crowd of people to do wrong. And that was to go against God. It was to go against the values of our parents. We, didn't, we, we were unruly children and I led them all. And when God came into my life, he flicked on a switch and made me realize That the life that I was living to lead was only leading to destruction and leading a whole lot of people with me. I didn't think of any harm to it. I didn't want to harm anyone. I didn't really care about myself, but I didn't want to harm people. I didn't want to harm their salvation either. And so when God switched on the light for me, he says, you're doing a whole lot of harm, son. And you're leading a whole lot of people with you. In fact... I want you to come back to me so that you can lead people towards me. I can't do that without the light God gives in me. And the only way we have that is when we accept Jesus Christ into our life. Now, a lot of you may have accepted Jesus Christ in our life, and I'm not going to assume all of us have. But if you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart and into your mind, Today may be the day. Tomorrow might be too late. Today may be the day that you accept the light of the world that came down into darkness so that we may live. So the title, Shine the Light. 
shine the light. Let's go to Matthew's chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles or devices, please turn or slide to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. And we, there we will find that that is where Jesus' great sermon on the mount was preached. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. It says, uh, before we read, let's pray. Father God, if we ever needed you before, Lord, we surely do need you now. And we pray, Father, that your spirit falls upon our hearts and our minds so that what is spiritually read or heard can be spiritually discerned by your spirit into our lives. We thank you, Father, for this. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to uh, 14 to 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. i read that last part again. Um, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now question, are we saved by good deeds? No, we are not saved by good deeds. But the word here in Matthew, in Jesus' words, is that let your good deeds do what? Shine and praise your Father in heaven. Our good deeds does not add to our salvation. We can't do, we can't add or do more to attain salvation. The Word of God says the only way we attain salvation in John 3.16 is if we accept the Son, believe in the Son. And when you believe in the Son that He has given us, it says that we will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. That is the only thing God requires for us to attain salvation. So good deeds does not add to our salvation. But the word here in Matthew chapter 5 says that our good deeds will praise who? God. And so that others may see God's glory. What good is a light if we have a light and we put it under its basket? You know, I remember uh, first coming to Avondale. Now, Avondale is a beautiful place. You've got a lot of people who uh, believe in God and study the word and it's awesome. It's an awesome environment, right? And after a year in, in ministry and theology, I went back to Logan. Uh, you know, went back there and I thought, man, this is tough. I want to I get back. I want to go back where there's peace. I want to go back where there's people praying. I want to go back where there's people reading the word. And immediately it dawned on me that darkness is where light is supposed to shine. 
And I, I got this picture in my head of light bulbs hugging each other, congregating together while there's darkness out there. And God was saying to me, who's going to carry that light? Who then is going to carry that light to those dark places? It's nice that you congregate together, but worship, yes, on the seventh day, but now from Sunday to Friday, how are we carrying the light to the world? How are we carrying the light to our workplaces, to our families, our friends? How are we even carrying our light to our enemies? Now, we might not have enemies as per se, but we might have people who we don't get along with. How do we carry the light to those people? How do we carry the light to the sick? How do we carry the light to those who are mentally ill? How do we carry our light to our spouses, to our wives or our husbands? Because when we do that, I guarantee you our kids are watching how that light is being shined. You know, it's part of my wife and I's values we used to do it wrong. We used to try and put all our efforts to raise the kids. And we missed out on, ra- on, on, on our friendship with each other. And we found it was a really hard work. It was hard to teach the kids to do something when we ain't doing it. You catch me? It's hard to teach someone some, a, a lesson you're trying to teach them, and it's the very lesson you don't apply to your own life. Again, good deeds... So if, I'm, if me and my wife are doing good deeds for each other, guess what's, guess what's being communicated to the kids? The values, the presence of God. Because we hold God valuable in the middle of our marriage, the kids see that. They see an example of those good deeds. They see that those good deeds leads to God. Good deeds. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to me, 2 Kings chapter 20. And in this story, it speaks of a king who had the opportunity to shine the light, but failed to shine the light. 2 Kings chapter 20, and if you're there, please just shout amen, amen, amen. I'll still give some of you a few, few more times, a few more time. Okay, so Second King chapter 20 talks of a king by the name of Hezekiah. I'm not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to read parts of the story and then I'll fill in the gaps. So it says there, starting at verse 1, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. 
I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a a poultice of figs. They did, and so they applied to the boil, and and he recovered. So after this was done, the, um, the prophet Isaiah then asked Hezekiah, what sign do you want God to perform? Do you want God to make the sun go forward 10 steps? Or do you want the sun to go backwards 10 steps? And Hezekiah says, you look, it's easy to move the sun forward 10 steps, but it's harder to move it back 10 steps. So I want God to show me that he's heard my prayer by saying, by moving the sun 10 steps backwards. Now, God did this. God had moved the sun backwards. Now, when he did this, he believed God was going to answer his prayer. He was going to add 15 years to his life. And the people were going to be saved from from the Assyrians. Now, when this was done, there's a nation over here who worship the sun. There's a sun god. Like in Egypt, there used to be the sun god Ra. And there were different names for the sun, but they worshipped the sun. And so when they saw that the sun had moved backwards, they realized that is the God of the Hebrews. And so they come knocking on the door for the Hebrews to explain, or for the Israelites to explain who this God is. And they knock on the door and they answer the door and they say, Look, who is this God that moved our God backwards? Only God, the creator, the God who created the heavens and earth, can move other gods like that. Would you say amen? And so if you feel in your life that there are gods who is trying to ruin you, who is trying to bring you down, who is trying to stop you from knowing who Jesus is, let me tell you of a God that can move those gods backwards. Our God. But unfortunately, King Hezekiah, instead of proclaiming the, 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 the wonders and the signs that pointed to God, he showed them all the treasures of his kingdom. He showed them everything that his, that his kingdom had. He said, this is where we put all our treasure. This is all our important ornaments. He showed them everything, but he didn't show them God. And because he did this, he was robbed. He not only was robbed, but he also lost his life. All because he didn't shine the light when he was given the opportunity. Now, family, this is not to scare you that you know you're going to lose your life, but in a literal sense, we, uh, in in a more metaphorical sense, salvation. It's not just a personal thing. 
It's not just a one-way thing with you and God. It doesn't just stop at, you know, love God. It doesn't stop there. Because it's, if it stops there, it isn't really the heart of God. I can be up on a mountain peak, being in awe of the, the signs and wonders that God has given me. And I could be like, man, this is so peaceful up here, God, but that is not the heart of God. The heart of God is that we have a personal experience with Him, but that we shine our light to those who need it. That is the full picture. That is why Jesus has said the laws of Moses and the prophets is summed up in what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength, and love one another. Love your neighbors, love your enemies. That is the full picture. It is hard then to have the love of God in your heart and not share it. As we've seen with Hezekiah, he had the opportunity to tell of the, the marvelous God that he worshipped, the marvelous God that had grace upon his life, but he failed to shine the light. Let's turn to another example in Genesis chapter 30, 39. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. And there we will find a story about a little, little boy named Joseph. Uh, Genesis chapter 39. If you're there, just shout amen. So we know that Joseph... Joseph um, was sold into slavery by his brothers because they were jealous. They didn't like that he got all this attention from the father and that he got this special coat to go with it. They really didn't like him. And Joseph goes out to play one day and goes to check on the brothers. And they throw him in a, in a, in a cistern thinking, what should we do to get rid of him? And if it wasn't for Reuben, he, he really wanted to you know, find a way that wouldn't mean that he, they would kill Joseph. And so in devising a plan, they, dev they decided to sell their brother into slavery. And now the brother had been journeyed all the way to Egypt and sold to a certain house by the name of Potiphar. Now I'm just going to read uh, bits of 39. So I'm going to start my reading from verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. He lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, right, key word, everything he did, Joseph found favor in his, in his eyes and became his attendant. Joseph was sold to slavery. He didn't get the privileges of being able to preach up about God or to speak of God. But he used his situation to be able to shine the light. He used his circumstance to be able to show of God's glory. And Potiphar saw that this man was a man of God, not because of his words, but because of his deeds. He shined God in slavery. He shined God 
in what we would see as a dire circumstance. What would we do if we were in that position? He had every right to complain to God. God, you've shown me dreams that I was going to be this, but you've put me here. How dare you, God? He had the right to complain. He's seen the vision. He's seen the dreams. Why here, God? He never once complained. He turned his circumstance or situation into an opportunity to shine the light. Let me ask you, church, have you been given the opportunity to shine the light that you have accepted in your life? And as the story goes on, Joseph becomes second in charge of the whole of Egypt. Not because he was someone special. Not because he was an heir to the throne. Not because you know, he lived off of someone else's merits. But because whatever his hand findeth to do, he did it with all his strength. He did it with all his strength. Not to glorify self, but to glorify God. Our deeds is what shines the light. Our deeds communicate of our personal experience. So if you don't have a personal experience, my prayer today to you, friends, is that you open your heart up to his light and that you experience it for yourself so that you know what it's like to share the light. Turn to the person behind you and tell them, hey, share the light. Share the light. So you may ask, Pastor, what does that look like? What does it look like to share the light in our current life? How do we apply that to our everyday life here in Wagga? Let me tell you, there might be some mechanics out there. It's very hard to find an honest mechanic. Every time I've gone looking for a mechanic, it's very hard to find an honest one. Because they'll tell you all sorts of problems, but there was no problem. Just a simple service. Just the money. Let's say there is a Christian mechanic. And he holds to the values of being honest. And someone comes in to service their car. The mechanic says, look... I can do it for you for 120, but let me show you, it only costs you 20. One person might ask, I'm just thinking out a scenario here, one person, that person might ask, but you're losing bread for your company. He said, that's all right, I'm a Christian. And if I can do that for you, that'll help you save, that'll help your family. Again, he's shining his light. Or it could be someone who's being bullied at school. And your Christian child walks past. He's going to speak up and stand up for that person. Why? Because the light is in him. And it's through his deeds. And it might not even be bullying. It might even be just simply respecting teachers and elders and his peers. That people will go, this child is different. This child's deeds they don't go the other way. It goes against the grain. 
Why? And then when we're given the opportunity, we will only but proclaim that it's the glory of God and His light in our life. That is why we go against the grain. You might ask, I'm only a housewife. I'm only just at home with the kids. What, how can I shine my light? It could be catching up with other mothers during the week. It could be that the way they see you parent your children, that they can see, now that's very different. The way she speaks and educates her kids, the way she brings them up, that's something different. Again, it's because of the light of God in us that people will see God's glory. That people will see God's glory. John chapter 1. Uh, could please, please quickly turn there. One of my favorite verses is found there in John chapter 1. Okay, John chapter 1, and here, it's, I want to read verse 1 down to verse 5. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Remember our children's story? There was darkness that hovered over the deep. Or there, was, there was darkness that was in the deep of the waters, and it was chaotic. Now, any Hebrew reader would read this and think, it's scary. Because they believed in dragons, they believed in you know, the Leviathan, these big creatures existed in the deep. That's why when the storm happened for the disciples on the boat, they said, do you not care for our life, Jesus? And he's sleeping. Do you not care? And Jesus gets up, speaks to the storm, and it obeys. John here in chapter 1 says that the Word was with God in the beginning. And so when God spoke into that darkness, the darkness obeyed. When God spoke into that earth that was formless, it became something. It obeyed his voice. Then it goes on to say in verse 3, Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Amen. The darkness can't overcome the light. And that communicates to us that light is supposed to be in darkness because it's the very thing that we are trying to get rid of. It's the very thing that God is trying to get to, to rid this world of because it, is, it has traumatized us. It has caused us wounds, pain, struggle. But God saw it and he didn't stay in the comfort of his own home. He came down in the flesh so that the world would see the light when it was lifted up on the cross. 
so that the world would see the light when it was lifted up on the cross. We're almost there. Nicodemus in John chapter 3 has this conversation with Jesus. I, I, when you read this, try and read it. If you've got your, in your own personal time, try and read it without, with a clear mind or uh, that, you know, with a mind that you've never read the story before. And then read it through. You've got to remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee of leaders. He's, he's someone who's very intellectual. He was very scholar. So keep in mind who Jesus is talking to. When Jesus talks to him, he says, he says to, to, to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And immediately that disrupts Nicodemus' thinking because he's a scholarly person, he's academic. And so for Jesus to say, you've got to be born again, that really threw him off. What do, you, what do you mean, Jesus, that you have to be born again? Do I have to re-enter my mother's womb to be born again? And, and he was saying that in a, in, in a really cheeky way because you know you can't do that. And Jesus says, do you not know? That you have to be born of water and born of the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, how can I tell you of earthly things? How can I tell you of heavenly things, things that I have seen, if you can't understand the things that I tell you that are earthly? So he begins to break down Nicodemus. Then he says, so in... in um, in rabbinic culture, children's stories, they used the stories of Moses. That was used for children's stories. That, that, that's those stories the rabbis didn't regard as something intellectual. So when God humbled Nicodemus, he tells a children's story. Let me, tell, let me read that verse. So John chapter 3. And it says here, I'll read verse 10. It says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. You do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses, this is the children's story, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Nicodemus only believed in Jesus, not because of his preaching. If you go back to the start of, uh, of chapter 3, he says, no one can do what you do. The signs and wonders that you do, no one can do it unless God is in him or God has sent him. It was Jesus' deeds that Nicodemus knew that this man was different. That this man was different. Family, we all have an opportunity to be able to show good deeds that proclaim of the goodness of God. Of the goodness of God. 
Last verse, and we'll close. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. And it reads, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a promise. Jesus' own words. Now let me read it one more time before we close. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If this is you and you want to experience the light of life in your life, please stand with me. And if you already have the light of life in your life and you want to have the courage and the authority in the name of Jesus to share that light, stand. Stand with me. This is the word of God. We have a charge, not just as Christians, but as Adventists to preach of the three angels' message and the soon return of Jesus Christ. We have a duty. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the light that came down. For without that light, that specific light that came in the form of Jesus Christ, we would still be in darkness. And so we thank you, Father, that you not only shine the light on the world, but you shine the light in our lives so that we may see clearly that you are the creator, that you are our savior. And so I pray, Father, for those that have not yet experienced your light, I pray that you move in a special way today so that they may experience you. I also pray for those, Lord, that have experienced your light, that you give them authority, give them strength to be able to share their light, that light, your light, through their good deeds wherever they live, wherever they serve. Whether it be at home, whether it be out at school, whether it be out at your, the workplaces, Lord Father, whether it be here in your church family, wherever it is we go, please, Lord, give us the authority and the strength to be able to shine your light through our deeds. And so we thank you, Father. We ask that you bless us. We ask, Lord, also that you forgive us if we've spoken against your spirit, spoken against your purpose for the world and we ask that you cleanse us here and now in your precious name jesus we pray amen